lots and lots of spoilers. There is only one way to get the nuclear-powered dingus, or NPD, and keep it out of the hands of Thrush. We have to go in, go fast, slide past the guards, sweet-talk the secretaries, smarm our way to the top, and jump through the window into a dark water of intrigue below. If Thrush gets the dingus, well, I don't think I need to tell you what would happen, because I have no idea. Welcome to Max Mike Movies, where we have no idea, uh, uh, wait, where we take a look at the movies through a new lens, TM. I just made that up. Speaking of making, we are hip deep in our new series, I Made From TV Love You, where we look at movies that had their start on the smaller screen. Now, they're bigger! This week, The Man From Uncle is our guinea pig. Can this big-budget treatment breathe life into a rather dead and mostly forgotten TV show from the 60s, or will it, too, just roll over and let its tongue loll out? To find out, we have the secret agent who is no secret, Manful Max Levine. Give us a quip, Max. I don't need a quip. I have theme music. Yes, I suppose you do. And I, Mike Luce, am the chief of chastisement to the 86 to his 99, or... Something. Hey. Before this gets any weirder, let's swerve That can off. make me Barbara Feldon? Ooh. You know what? I'm strangely okay with that. <laughs> Before this gets any weirder, let's swerve off the highway of subterfuge and look at the answers ah! to last week's poll question. Toots is no! <laughs> we asked, what fictional cinematic character would you most like to sit down and have a conversation with? You had answers. From the website, Vince replied, quote, who would I have Canadian conversation and crumpets with? Not a real thing. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes or maybe Captain Nemo come to mind. I was obsessed with both as a kid, and films of those characters really intrigued me, end quote. Thanks. As always, double bumpy bucks for using the website. Indeed. Indeed. Sherlock Holmes or Captain Nemo. Yeah. Also from Stay. the site, Ned, not Cheese Boy, although he really kind of is, gives us... You're giving away his secret identity. Uh, it's a secret? <laughs> anyway, Ned gives us, quote, Gotta agree with Vince, Captain Nemo would be a fascinating guy to meet. No one else springs to mind right now, though, end quote. That's two for old Nemo. Thank you, Ned. Soon we may have to go find him. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think he's, um, 20,000 leagues under the sea. Oh, I, I, I mean, I, straight down. <laughs> I bet. Uh, yeah, hmm. he, he died. That, that's the other side of the earth, but okay, yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's outside the earth's app. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Moving over to Facebook, because social media, we have Matt Reisman. Quote, first thing that comes to mind, genie from Aladdin, end quote. I wonder if that's pre- oh. or post-wishes. Yeah, and, and I'm assuming he means the Robin Williams one and not the Will Smith. I would hope so. <laughs> Which would be even weirder, because he's dead, but there you go. <laughs> Uh, anyway, thanks, Matt. Dave offered up Howard the Duck. <laughs> Must oh, be Dave. something in the water. That's now I can understand if you wanted to talk to Howard the Duck from the comic book. Yeah, but the movie. Yeah. Hey, mm. Dave. Deweese says, "Quote: I'd talk to Rose from Titanic and ask her why she felt that she needed the entire door to float on in the freezing cold water. Uh. I'll see myself out." End quote. As well, you should. But hey, yes. a week without the Star Wars holiday special is like, God damn! I did it to myself. Yeah, you, you brought it in. What's <laughs> I'll get you, weasel. Ooh. 
Uh, Geneva Brunetti answered, quote, Captain Jack Sparrow would be pretty cool to have a conversation with, end quote, and perhaps some rum. <laughs> Just a little. Jamie Kleinert was next with, quote, Sherlock Holmes, either the RDJ or Cumberbatch version would be great. Interestingly, Tony Stark or Doctor Strange would also be very close contenders, and truly because of the characters, not necessarily the actors, although I do appreciate both of them, end quote. Awesome. Yeah. I personally think a, a, a conversation with Sherlock Holmes would be very one-sided. I, I don't know if I'd really want to sit down and talk with him because you know he'd just make me make you feel stupid instantly. Especially the Cumberbatch and, one. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Although in the RDJ one, it'd be really hard to keep his attention because yeah. obviously he was seriously ADD. Yeah. But still, cool answers. Yeah. Val is our next participant and is still in no way not my sister. <laughs> Quote, I have a bunch. Kind of hate to ride the trend or repeat myself or something, but Rick Blaine in Casablanca is first on the list. He's followed closely by Harry in To Have and Have Not, then Leia in Star Wars. Note the lack of chapter number. Then Dusty in Twister. For all of them, I'd love to know really? what inspires them to do what they do. Not the obvious, mm. well, gee, my planet is being attacked and I'm the princess. What choice do I have? But what makes their heart tick? What makes What lights their soul? End quote. Cool. Yeah, intriguing. Yeah. Especially the princess part. Yeah. <laughs> Newcomer Roland Hardy gets my vote with, quote, Deckard from Blade Runner. Are you a replicant or not? End quote. Ooh. Personally. But he didn't know. I mean, well, did he? how can it not know what it is? Because <laughs> that's a quote. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I personally think the answer is yes, but I uh, very much appreciate your answer. Thank you, Roland. Dan Schaefer. Wait, is he new here? I can't remember. Uh, We've the name's mentioned vaguely him. Fill in the words. <laughs> he replied, quote, I'd like to have drinks with Nick and Nora Charles, but I'm not sure my liver would survive, end quote. Yeah. Yikes. I think it'd be comatose in about 20 minutes. <laughs> Maybe you could be Asta. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Dan. Uh, last up is Charles Forsyth, who offered a head scratcher. He said, Daryl Zero. I had to look it up Ooh. as I'd never heard of the movie Zero Effect, but now I'm interested. Uh, take a look. It's a Bill Pullman film. It's not even that old, but yeah. Good. Thanks, Charles, and thanks, everyone. You all get as many bumpy bucks as allowed by law. Use them in the Bumpy Hut catalog of values, soon to be more than just a rumor. Max, who would you most like to speak to that lives only on the big screen? I would say Gus, the moth that used to hang out in the Fresh Pond Theater. That's not what we're looking for. Oh, sorry. What you said on this screen—that's a tough. Honestly, I'd like to—I'd like to talk to Indiana Jones. I think it'd be really interesting to talk to this, this a scholar adventurer type, mm -hmm. and you know, tell him maybe you know buy Apple stock if you live that long. <laughs> or why do you keep desecrating these tombs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Come on. What did these people do to you? Yeah. Oh, you, you think this stuff belongs in a museum? I noticed you don't say it belongs in a museum in the country you stole it from. Uh, research! Look! <laughs> an idol! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'd like to talk to him. Cool. How about you? Who would you talk to? I don't know. Um, I'm going to have to go with um, Lobo from Bride of the Monster. <laughs> he has a lot that of would be a very one-sided conversation <laughs> also. Time for go to bed. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> uh, I, you know, just straight out, hmm, that's a toughie. Captain Picard, and I can count him because oh. he was in Star Trek Next he, Generation movies. 
Several, yeah. I think he would, he would, because he is, he seems to have a real passion for lots of different subjects. And I bet he could tell you all sorts of cool things, plus space. So that's where I think I would go. Okay, that's cool. But of course, we have, uh, we have a new question over which you can ponder. Don't worry, we'll repeat it at the end of the show as well. How much does music matter in the movies you watch? How much Uh. does it dictate your emotional reaction? Let us know, and we'll let you raid the vault of Bumpy Hut values, values, values. Hang on. A little clarification. Yes. When you say that, do you mean the background music? Yes. The, the score of the movie, but not, not like the soundtrack? The score as opposed to like that jukebox of tunes. This, yeah, the actual the songs yes. so, are on the soundtrack. John Williams, that kind of thing. Yeah, yep. okay. How much does background that... Background music, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let us know in those ways that we'll tell you at the end of the show. But now, let's let's get back to this week's movie, The Man from Uncle and It's Trivia. The show. Budget. Let's say 80 million as there was a range. Take 110 million, which isn't enough. That that's why there wasn't the sequel. Yeah, uh, there would be enough if you used it in the Bumpy Hut catalog. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> since we promised from last week, Uncle stands for United yeah. Network Command for Law and Enforcement. So there. Yeah. Thrush was never defined, but in a novel which does yeah, not at all count. Yeah. The acronym was supposed to represent. Here we go. Hang on. Uh, technological hierarchy for the removable of undesirables and the subjugation of humanity. <laughs> the whole point. Wow. Of, <laughs> this is why they that's a crowbar, right? They used a crowbar to get that one in there. That's sort of the uh, Kristen Stewart of uh, acronyms. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, the whole point of thrush narratively was that they were so terrible that the only way for them to be defeated was for the East and West to team up. Now, here's some trivia about the original show, just for a little perspective, and also because there really wasn't that much interesting stuff for the movie. (laughs) (laughs) The Man from Uncle actually had some episodes released to theaters as part of a B-movie double feature, beating out the practice made famous in the 1970s by Battlestar Galactica and Buck Rogers. That means you two could not only watch it on TV, you could pay for it in the theater. (laughs) If you're really lucky, it was in sense around. (laughs) There was a lot of development for the show done by none other than Ian Fleming. He proposed the characters in Napoleon Solo and April Dancer, who would become the girl from Uncle. The show's original title, Ian Fleming Solo. And I read one account that said that Napoleon Solo was actually a character in the book Goldfinger, but I didn't uh, follow that one up. Uh, he sort of was. He was one of the gangsters that Gold... I think he's the one that Goldfinger kills. Oh, you know what? I I remember from the movie, he actually says Mr. Solo. Yeah. Oops. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) In fact, I think he's the one who gets crushed in the the crusher. In the car, yep. He gets crushed in the car crusher. Let's pin these little old cholas to the little old mat and... Uh, the TV show relied on a series of twists, which often included Solo or Kuryakin, or both being caught messed up or messing up or being kidnapped. Spy stuff, but without the indestructible hero. Now moving on to the film. The only person in the cast of this movie who watched any episodes of the show on which this movie was based was Army Hammer. Yes. Dear. Army. We'll, uh. We'll be coming back to Mr. Hammer. Yeah. We'll be coming back to Mr. Hammer. Yeah. Yeah. 
Tom Cruise was the original choice for Napoleon Solo, with Henry Cavill tied to the Ilya Kuryakin role. I'm sorry, Kuryakin role. There's no R there, but... Oh, that wouldn't have worked. He'd tower over Cruise, and he never likes that. Well, that gets weirder, but uh, uh, but there was this other big spy franchise he had to deal with, so Cruise... Oh, yeah, it, yeah. Oh, what the hell was Get Smart or something? I think that's what it was, yeah. yeah uh, maybe yeah. it was... Um, um, Turner and Hooch. Yeah, must have been it. Yeah, that was it. Turner and Hooch. This movie is meant to be, more or less, a prequel or origin story to the original TV show. Clearly, yeah. And really, a bunch more stuff about who is possibly going to play who, which locations were used to make up what looks like East Berlin, and the fact that Max and I were somehow both in this movie, which I don't think even we knew. What? So there. <laughs> Did you, uh, you know any trivia for this film? Um... Not a lot. I mean, I do know Thrush was supposed to be originally, uh, the origin of Thrush gets kind of changed around in the books and the TV show. It right. was originally supposed to be started by Colonel Moran, Professor Moriarty's main hench guy. Right. Uh, also, you don't mention Napoleon Solo and Ilya Kuryakin were uh, Robert Vaughn and David McCallum. Right. Cause... David McCallum, who went on to do um, not much, <laughs> Robert Vaughn was in The Magnificent Seven, and of course, Battle, Battle Beyond, Beyond the, the Stars. stars. <laughs> yep. yep. Another With film John I think Boy. you and I were both in. <laughs> yeah, I think we were in that one. Yeah, we, yep, we were like had, little guys with no ears. It had John Saxon as Sador, I remember that, and <laughs> John Boy as, yeah. Uh, whatever his name was, yeah. yeah. Well, why don't we get to the plot? Indeed. Why do I do these things to myself? <laughs> don't know why yeah why do you keep ending up with the movies with the most convoluted plots yeah so well i uh let's just say i i shaved this one down a bit yeah it's the 1960s and things are dire a defected nuclear physicist is being hidden by bad guys of an unknown origin and is likely on the verge of perfecting the process to purify uranium so that nuclear bombs can be made by almost anyone the only way to get to this man, who's being shepherded by some other nefarious bad guys, is to get his daughter, currently enjoying a fine life in East Berlin, out of, well, East Berlin, and use her to convince Daddy that war is bad. Who do we call? <laughs> Napoleon Solo, portrayed by tall person Henry Cavill, that's who. In he streaks like greased lightning, dapper and well-bred with a plan that surefire, no problem, can't fail. Until a Russian agent, Ilya Kuryakin, who I will never pronounce properly, played by Army Hammer, shows up and nearly shoots the whole movie down. Once Solo <laughs> gets her out, embarrassing Kuryakin in the process, it seems that things aren't going to go so smoothly from here on out. It will take the combined efforts of the West and the East if this little shindig is going to... shin. <laughs> on the West, we have Solo. On the East, we have... well, you know. Yeah, can these the two, Russian guy. Can these two get over themselves and find a way to work together? Can they figure out who's playing who? And will Hugh Grant somehow come out on top? And what about that nuclear bomb? And who's Thrush? Find out in this Guy Ritchie spy vehicle. Hello down. There. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. I just, uh. it, it, got on, it could have gone on. It could have gone on. It could have yeah, gone on. Yeah, yeah. It's very elaborate. Yeah, uh... Well, oh yes, you, you, sorry. Did you mention who who play who plays the uh, East German lady? Nope, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, that was Alicia Vikander. Ah, Oscar nominated Alicia Vikander. Ah, 
Mm. And yes, Hugh Grant is in this. And I actually think he does fine. I mean, it's probably, he's got like five lines. But I'm sorry, Hugh Grant, not only Hugh Grant is the best thing in the movie, <laughs> his end credits in the titles at the end, where they're just, you're seeing pictures of the files, made me think this should have been the Mr. Waverly movie, because... Mm. My God, he looked fast. It's like, whoa, what's this former alcoholic and opium addict? Yeah. He, he was an aristocrat but gave up the title. I want to see this guy's movie. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, before we get that far into our yeah. um, um, treatment, um, mm. I want to ask you something because this, uh, this was yeah. an interesting one for me because growing up, at least as far as I know, and of course we grew up in the same general area, I never saw The Man from Uncle replayed anywhere. Did you ever did. watch it? I watched one or two of the black and white episodes that somehow got syndicated. I never saw the ones in color. I think only the first season was in black and white. Yeah, it was. I, I remember seeing one. Okay. And for this movie, I watched another one. Oh, okay. Also in black and white. But may, And I, I mainly picked it because of the special guest star, a very young Kurt Russell. I was going to watch that one, but I had watched four before I found out about that one. And I was like, eh, four's enough. Yeah, that's way more than I did. How was how was the uh, Kurt Russell the computer wore tennis shoes or whatever the name was the episode? <laughs> he was a really annoying little kid named Chris. Ah. I mainly watched this not just for him but because the title of the episode, the Finny Footed Affair. Ah. Because it involves a Finny Footed seal. Ah. I, I don't I don't mean an emblem. I mean like kind of seal. Ah. Yeah, one of the things that struck me about the show is it's very slow, and it there's a long stretches where not much happens. Well, I mean, to be fair, the '60s was like that. If you yeah, watch a lot any of the drama, shows were. yeah, it's just like that. Um, now, if you'd got to the color episodes, I think your opinion would have changed um, because you have to remember when the show was made, and in the middle of its run, and it was very popular. Um, it was like nearly Batman popular. And of course it eventually went up against Batman in its second season when it went to color. I watched it and I was like, this show is like equal parts, mission impossible, Batman from 1966 and get smart. Kinda uh, because they started doing a lot of the campy stuff because Batman was so ridiculously that's what I heard. huge. Yeah. And I do. I don't think Robert Vaughn ever got that memo because he seems to play it straight no matter what. Uh, but there's goofy things going on around him. I mean, they don't start label super secret spy pen or anything like that, but it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, in the, in the show also, Ilya Kuryakin starts out as a very minor character. He's mm. just sort of like a guy who comes in and hands them papers. Says, hello, I have Russian accent, you know? Yeah. And, but he was such a fan favorite. It was kind of Mr. Spock syndrome. Yeah. Uh, they wrote him a bigger and bigger part. Although, unlike... A, another actor, one who may have just recently come back from actual space, mm. apparently Robert Vaughn didn't mind. Yeah. I yeah, I just was surprised that as big a show as this was, because it had spin-offs. It had um yeah, the girl the, from the Uncle. Girl, it had Stephanie novels. Power. Yeah, yeah, it had novels. It had Well it was the novels I think came first. They were like tw they kept going during and after the show, but there were 24 books in the Man from Uncle series. I think that goes into was the uh, previously mentioned men's adventure section. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it does. Um, it just, I just, so uh, there was over a hundred shows. It used to be the sweet spot was if you had a show on network TV and you got at least a hundred episodes, that meant you could go into syndication. Yep. 
That's where the money is. And occasionally you would get shows that didn't make it to 100 and still Star Trek would make it into yeah. syndication. Yeah. Um, but I never saw this as a kid. Never. I'd heard of it, but I'd never seen it. I had the little Corgi car. I, but Oh, I didn't have the Man from Uncle car. Yeah, it was a purple, purplish blue car, and it had a siren thing on the top. When you pressed it, either Ilya or um, Napoleon would pop out and shoot. <laughs> oh. So... <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I had to watch a bunch of episodes. I watched one which had Roger Carmel as a um, evil South American dictator. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. Th this one has some allegedly Japanese characters played, oh, I believe, by Mexican-Americans. Oh, it wasn't Vito Scotti? <laughs> I don't think so. And oh, boy. Yeah. Oh. It, it, to be fair, it is fairly slow. Even the, the later color ones that I watch, I never watched past season two because I looked for a best of list and strangely, all the best of episodes were from season one and two. Yeah, they say, I, I, read, I read some stuff about it. Apparently the quality of the show really dropped off after yeah. uh, season two. The, the campy part, they just got out, they went out of control. Yeah, apparently season four, they tried to go back to the regular and it was too late. Um, but, uh, you know, not to... to stay too well, too long with the show yeah. it just goes to prove that the 60s are a giant treasure trove of stuff to rip off i mean to <laughs> elevate to today's silver screen. Yeah. now the cast here i think is pretty interesting henry cap first of all i'm impressed that first you get henry cavill and then you got they actually found one of the few actors who's bigger than he is i know he makes henry look short it's like yeah, henry, henry cavill, cavill is six one he's six one and uh our Army Hammer is six five. Yeah, which is and Alicia Vikander, by the way, is five foot six. So and revert, there we go. They both kind of loom over her. Yeah. Uh, um, and, there, and yeah, I don't know anything about her. I don't remember seeing her in anything else. Oh, she's uh, done a ton of stuff. She's really good. She was in uh, uh, Ex Machina and The Danish Girl. I did see that. And just... she was the new Lara Croft in the Tomb Raider movie. I didn't watch that one. Um, I did watch the. Uh, What's her name? Mrs. Uh, Michael Douglas. What's her name? No, it's not her. Yes, it is her. Catherine Zeta-Jones. No, wait. It's not her. Wait. You that, think, no, that it is was Mrs. Angelina Jolie. I'm sorry? Angelina Jolie was... That's, uh, that's who it is. <laughs> and they Lara look nothing Croft, alike, yes. so I have no idea why. I could yeah, think. I don't know where that came from. I don't from. either. Uh, I did watch the Angelina Jolie ones, and they were popcorn. They were... They were They were in focus. Yeah. Yeah. Um in general, I uh, well to be fair, the only thing I've seen Henry Cavill do is Superman, and he plays Superman like a big, emotionally stunted, stiff upper lip guy. And here he plays Napoleon Solo like an emotionally stunted, stiff. Hmm. <laughs> like he's, you can tell he's aching to be British because I think he actually is. Yeah, I think that's right. And his accent is very much, I'm an American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Army Hammer's Russian accent. Um, I kept waiting for him to say, "Yes, we will. We will get the the nuclear bomb from Moose and Squirrel." <laughs> to be or fair, or he was going. He was going to ask where the nuclear vessels are. <laughs> to be fair, it's a lot better than David McCallum's. Well, yeah, David McCallum's Russian accent was. I, I think it sounded kind of Russian by way of. Aberdeen, Scotland, or something. I don't because I think he was Scottish. He was. Uh, uh, I, I, the accents in this film are, let's say, interesting. So, um, the person who plays um, Gail, Gail, is that her name? Which the the one from East Germany? Oh, Gabby. Gabby. Mm -hmm. I first thought, is she Irish? What 
<laughs> Where is she, no, she from? No, she was Ger- she was very German. No, she's not. She's Swedish, but that's okay. Well, no, she's yeah. The actress is Swedish. She's trying to do a German accent by way of Ireland. <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah. I, it was hard. I'm glad they told us we were in East Germany because listening to her is like uh, Chicago. I yeah. don't know. I mean, it gave me flashbacks to uh, Bridge of Spies. The uh, that was a Spielberg. oh yeah. No, no, was that Ron Howard? Yeah. No, I think you're right. It was Spielberg. It was Spielberg. It was Tom Hanks. That I really liked. That really gave me yeah. the feel of being in East Germany. Um, although, quite honestly, if, if you want the feeling of being in East, East Germany, although, to be fair, it was Vienna. It's not actually East Germany. But that after-war period, watch The Third Man, which you should watch anyway. Yeah. But, um, I, yeah, I didn't get the feeling so much of East Berlin here. I mean, they escaped from it. Well, they're only there for like 10 minutes. Yeah. Most most of the film takes place in what Italy, I think. One of the other big isn't it Rome? Yeah. Uh, yeah, lots of Rome and Naples, which, to be fair, was a very exotic location then, and photographed properly is still a pretty exotic location now. Um, that is one thing they really do. They did from the TV show. There were a lot of th- the TV show was very big on exotic, at least location <laughs> shots. I don't think a lot of the show actually was filmed anywhere near these countries. It was but... filmed in exotic Burbank. <laughs> <laughs> yes, jolly old chap. <laughs> yeah, no, it's there's obviously there's a lot of that money was spent, and it yeah. it does look good. And this is actually I was going to say another of the characters in a way is our director, because he usually has a very distinct style. And that's Guy Ritchie. Um, He brought us a bunch of other films, such as Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, the two Sherlock's Holmes movie, Sherlock's Holmes, Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock's (laughs) Home. I think it's Sherlock's Home. Yeah. I'm not sure. (laughs) Rock and Rolla, Snatch, and Aladdin? (laughs) Oh, yeah. He did the live-action... Disney Aladdin movie, which I didn't see because, okay. Um, And there's these moments where he does these cool visual things, like he splits the screen and there's some sort of, you know, animation and stuff. That was very 60s. Yeah, it was very stylish and it was very fun and it was very Guy Ritchie and I liked those parts. I actually thought there could have been a lot more of those parts. That would have been better, I think. Better. Yes, that's the word I want. But as we often do in spy films we open with a car chase which i thought was filmed really well and is actually pretty cool especially when you realize that the two cars in question probably have a top speed of about 42 uh, maybe yeah one of them yeah. was a trabant which was, which is a terrible car a uh, east german specialty which i think came originally from russia and i forget what the other car was but it looked like a morris minor basically yeah, they were those, terrible. Tiny, those cars that weighed like 80 pounds and the whole sequence with Kuriakin, who they're basically playing as the Terminator, because at one point he grabs the car by the bumper and <laughs> is actually s- slowing it down just with his sheer manliness. Well, again, to be fair... Yeah, I know this isn't exactly a very powerful vehicle, <laughs> no. but... Both of the horses on. are like... <laughs> <laughs> but it still ends up being exciting and fun. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's and, yeah. And we have a rivalry going on which is yep. pretty cool because they're both pretty evenly matched at this point, even though, again, uh, Army Hammer towers over Henry Cavill, <laughs> which is not easy to do. Um, of course, um, Army Hammer, if you missed that particular episode... Um, oh, yeah, we know him from... Uh, somewhat problematic. Yeah. Um, uh. He has had a number of accusers um, come forward 
uh, part of the Me Too uh, movement, that uh, say that he, um, in the bedroom, is a um, <laughs> questionable taste. Yeah, very Literally. violent. Yeah. And yeah, there's actually and some, some very weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah, there's actually some scenes, especially because Gabby's only five foot six. Yeah. Where he's very forceful with her. And of course he's that much bigger than her. And because what we know now about Mr. It's a Hammer, little uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, I Although, already owned this film, so I didn't feel bad watching it. I didn't give anybody any more money. Um, but yeah, that's one of those things. We brought this up in the in the past. It's like this is a problem. Um, so just so you know, that's the deal with this film. If you haven't seen it before and you're worried about possibly helping his career, although again, the movie's already been made and blah, blah, blah. There is that issue, issue. So Yeah, also that whole, there's a sequence where Gabby gets drunk and tries to, and wants to wrestle Ilya. And I'm sorry. <laughs> she like tries to bull him. She, she knocks him off his feet and I'm just sitting there going, no. She weighs about 90 pounds, and he weighs as much as the Chrysler building. He's, <laughs> she's not going to move him. She's not going to knock him down. They, the whole sort of a joke is they're act. I mean, clearly, the idea is he's trying not to hurt her. But no. I'm sorry. It would be like Bugs Bunny when he goes up against the Crusher. And <laughs> he, 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 Crusher doesn't even twitch. <laughs> Dad, just pass it up. I just pass it by. <laughs> yeah. I know it. Yes. I mean, spoiler. It turns out she's with British intelligence, but she's not, she's not like an actual agent. There's no, nothing that says she was trained. Mm. She would, she was turned. She right. basically ended up working for them. But yeah. So how that, that was just, I'm sorry. That was just done for cute and it didn't work. Yeah. I mean, if he had been, say, more normal sized, maybe. Maybe but he's he's immense. Yeah, he he's is. Immense and the they make a they make a big thing also about how incredibly physically powerful he is. Yeah, and that just sort of sort of shows up and goes away as needed. Yeah, he also has anger management issues. Yeah, um, that I don't get at all. I'm sorry. You can't be a very good spy if you suddenly have rage attacks. Yeah, we're willing to blow your cover. Or get in effect paralyzed. Mm. That yeah, that didn't work. I, I get they were trying to do more backstory. That that's a whole thing uh, in the in the movie that is not in the TV show no. that I remember. And I don't I don't know if it's in the books. Maybe it was in some of them. We don't know much about these characters' bat pasts. They're just you know hi we're spies and we're good guys. Well, just like James and Bond. Then, yeah, we don't we don't know who he is. His parents now, died in a skiing be, accident. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Although it, let's be fair, in the movie Skyfall, they do a nice job of at least suggesting his background. They don't overdo it. But in this, we find out. Oh yeah, Solo's actually a professional criminal. He was a, you know, after the war, he worked in the black market, and he was caught, and he's working off his sentence. That's why he's working for the CIA. And Kuryakin is like a his family is a dis was a disgraced party member and. Hmm. Like, e okay, that, that that does make them a little more interesting, but it also takes them a lot farther away from the original material. Yeah. Well, I think that what's going on here is because they're making it a prequel, the an origin story, if you will. Yeah. That they can get away with that because nothing they do, as long as they don't come out and say something that can't be continued to the TV show, 
you know, like, I don't know, Kriarkin's a woman or something, you know, uh, they can get away with that. And this is, and to be fair, as you said, they never came up with a reason why these two guys were even working together because yeah. the show came out in the early 60s, early to mid 60s, when the Cold War was at its height. Um, so the idea of a Russian spy working with an American spy seems just, you know, incredible. Like, why, why would that even happen? And the TV yeah. show doesn't bother to answer it. <laughs> I don't think so. So here they try to, and I don't mind the answer. Basically, Thrush is so far worse than the other of us, either of our two governments, mm-hmm. that it takes the two of us to take. And of course, each of the governments in this case is also like, you will work together, but when he's not looking, kill him. Uh, yeah. You work together, and when he's not looking, yeah, kill the son of a... Yeah. <laughs> was that... Because, uh, of course, he, he's the, working for John Wayne. Yep. Oh, I thought he was working for Genghis Khan, but okay. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to tell them apart. It It is. It really is. Um, there's a lot of this movie that's very stylish. Again, Guy Ritchie, I've liked a lot of his films. Um, yeah, his visual style is very distinctive and a lot of fun. Yeah, I didn't see Rock and Roll. I liked the two Sherlock Holmes movies. I will not in any way be the first person to say these are the definitive adaptations of uh, Conan Doyle's texts by uh, any means. <laughs> but they're yeah. a lot of fun. They are. It's hard, it, Although it's still, it's very weird to think of Sherlock Holmes as an action hero. And I think that what Guy Ritchie does in that is he takes it so far into the absurd that you can basically enjoy these and somehow Sherlock Holmes is not in any way besmirched, right? Like you can yeah. still enjoy Sherlock Holmes over there. Yep. And it's over the, here he's like, like this. And again, he's been, Sherlock Holmes is one of, I can never remember if he's the most, but he's up there in the top five most adapted characters. Yeah. So of course you're going to have to try something a little different here and there, or it's you know what's the point? No, there's no problem there. There is there is some tonal shifts here that are a little. Suddenly we have a Nazi torturer. Yeah, that's now because there now some of the stuff. It does tie in nicely because the implication here is what they're dealing with are some ex-fascists, right? Pe- people from you know the Nazi regime, people who were friends of Mussolini. Yes, but they're fascists them, with a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, rich fascists. And turns out that this one German guy who is uh, uh, Gabby's uncle was also, you know, they don't come out and say, he's basically a step aside from Joseph Mengele. Mm. He was like a professional torturer and did horrible medical experiments to people. And he gets a hold of Solo and he's like, elect- you know, shocking him in this uh, makeshift electric chair which is a lot darker than anything else in this movie. Yeah. Now, that being said, I mean, Guy Ritchie tends to do this. I mean, that's, you know, there are parts of uh, all of his films that get very grisly and dark and stuff like that, but that doesn't mean it necessarily works just because it's It's kind of jarring. Also, what happens to the guy, (laughs) they strap him into the chair, which has like a faulty circuitry, and... Solo and Kuryakin are outside debating what to do with him while he is being fried in this chair by a short circuit and catches fire. And they're playing it for laughs. Yeah. Which is just kind of creepy. Yeah. But it was funny. (laughs) Kind of, but it doesn't fit the rest of the movie. No. That that felt more like, I don't know, bumbling... Uh, Pink Panther mm. or something, but yeah. You keep. Ex- I kept expecting him to look at look through the door window, 
see the guys on fire, and suddenly hear, mwop, mwop. <laughs> now that would have been a total shift. <laughs> that really would. Uh, one of the things I will say that this film brought from the TV show, it's kind of slow. <laughs> it it kind of is. The action sequences, when they happen, are really good. But you do have to kind of wait for a while in between them. And I... Like, especially in the first part of the film. Okay, the very first part of the film is literally just Napoleon Solo swaves his way into East Berlin and gets Gabby out while dealing with a new rival from the Russian side of things. Very simple to follow. Once we get her out and we take her on a fashion tour or something, then we get the rest of the plot explained to us by uh, Harry Seldon. Oops, sorry. For those of you. We get the the plot explained to us, and it's like, okay, we need to get to your dad. But to do that, first, we have to go through your uncle, who's currently hanging out with this woman who is an ex-fascist, and she's really horrible, but she also happens to be, like, a model. Uh, And she's in Italy for reasons. And then, so we have to get you, break you into there, and then talk to him, because he might know where your dad is, and then we can, and I got lost, like, I was just like, yeah. all right, who are these? We're going to, all right, we're at a party. Okay, up. He he bumped into uh, Hugh Grant, who is not there by accident. Like, even the first yeah. time I saw this film, it's like, Hugh Grant doesn't just show up. You have, yeah. Like, he's there for a reason. Um, but Henry Cavill has to break into this party because it's a spy movie. There has to be a high-class party where he can wear his very well-tailored suit to. And it's like, okay, here's some people that we have to deal with. And, oh, he's... He's impressing the bad lady. That That's a good thing, because she's a bad lady, and I don't remember what she's for. <laughs> and then later she's, she's you know, um, I don't know, Rosa Klebb or something. Yeah, but, she's eviling all over the place. And, I mean, she needed a yeah. mustache, because she was twirling pretty bad. Seriously, <laughs> seriously. Um, so I got kind of lost, and then... Mm. The, finally, I've given enough time, and it's like, okay, so this is her uncle. Wait, no, she, we don't need him. He needs to tell us where the dad... Oh, wait, he doesn't know. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I the get, dad is... It's basically, you know, Ray's father, or, or what's her name's father in um, Rogue One. He's off working on the Death Star, but oh, he's Mads not Mikkelsen. smart enough to... Yeah, he, he's not smart enough to... Uh, to put in a, uh, a thermal exhaust port that can be bullseyed <laughs> like a womp rat. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, so they eventually make their... Somehow, Gabby's presence doesn't set off any alarms. Everyone's just glad to see her. Yeah. I guess. That was kind of odd. Um, but whatever. And she's with Napoleon... No, no, she's with... She's no, with, with Kriakin. She's supposed who's... to be his fiance. <laughs> and yes. he's supposed to be an architect, which literally fools nobody. <laughs> yes, yes. Which, Hello, I'm an architect bodybuilder giant. <laughs> Boy, you're awfully tall for an architect. <laughs> I think somebody actually says something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to be fair, and I was not prepared for this when I did my research and watched the TV show, all four episodes I watched, nobody buys Napoleon Solo's cover. He gets oh. caught every time. <laughs> and so does Kriakin. He also gets caught. Like, that was part of the show. Like, they actually, you know, oh, he's kidnapped. Now he's kidnapped. Or they literally let Solo walk through until somebody says, ah, yes, Mr. Solo, give me back the secret doohickey. And he's just like, and Solo's always surprised. He's like, huh? (laughs) And we've captured your son, Han. (laughs) Yeah. So that, to be fair, was also brought into 
the movie from the TV show. But I think that if you don't know anything about the TV show, and I'm going to guess 99% of the audience for this film really was not familiar with the TV Probably show. Probably not. That would seem weird. Like, yeah. it's sort of like, why did anybody like ever fall for James Bond? We don't know. Especially since he never bothered to use a code name. It's like, yeah. Well, no, no. Remember, he was uh, Peter Franks in oh, that's right. uh, Diamonds Are Forever. But yes. And also, he's apparently like the best known spy in the world. <laughs> that's like what I want to be, wrecked. the most famous secret agent. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I uh, do have to say, one thing that uh, Henry Cavill really kind of nails is that he does the same kind of Robert Vaughn swagger smugness that Vaughn brought to the same part. That just very sort of, <laughs> my God, I'm handsome. He is chiseled. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and Robert Vaughn, though, there was always, I thought something strange looking about Robert Vaughn. Like the top part of his face is too big for the bottom part. Well, he does have a very large forehead, but I don't know. I always liked Robert Vaughn. He could always just sort of waltz into a part and then waltz back yeah, out again. Yeah. He, had a, he had a kind of grace, I think. He did. Um, and I think Cavill brings that across. Now, um, Hammer's version of Kiryakin is very different. Because yeah. First off, David McCallum was a whisper-thin lad <laughs> and not physically imposing at all. No. And here it's just like, ah, Kiryakin smash! <laughs> Not like Karyakin when Karyakin angry. <laughs> Time for go to bed. Uh, <laughs> Tor Karyakin, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, so he's got daddy issues because, you know, whatever. His father That's... was disgraced. But they also go out of their way to show, oh, no, he's not just a bunch of dumb muscle. He's, like, really intelligent. And and he's very a... capable, yeah. Capable. And he, and he knows about fashion. Yeah. Because the um, Russian man would not take his fiance wearing this bag. Um, okay, whatever. Um, no, you wear you wear the Dior with the Prada or whatever it was. He said. Uh, I think it's the lime with the coconut, but then you drink <laughs> it all up. I, I I gotta ask what what was all that with the two of them arguing about clothes so um, much? I think it's to make it seem like more of a buddy film. Is it just me, or was there some kind of very slight gay coding in this? You know, I'm going to go with no. Now, to be fair, my radar is not always very good, but I didn't pick up on it. In fact, one of my comments was, there's no chemistry between any of the characters in this film. Mm, That was kind of a problem, because obviously there's supposed to be some between Gabby and Kriakin. Yeah. And they, they throw it at you, and it doesn't really stick. Um, and we're I, in love. It says so right here. <laughs> or not even in love, but like, oh, there's so much sexual tension between us. Yeah. It's in the stage directions and everything. <laughs> Gasp. It, and again, I think, I like Alicia Vikander. I think she's probably one of the best actors in this movie. She's also the most ca- 60s looking of everybody. She really gets the look, the nails, the look. She looks like she just stepped out of an, an issue of mod. Hmm. But she doesn't have chemistry with either of them. No. And the idea at first, I think, is, oh, there's going to be like a sort of tri- love triangle or like something going on. And it's, you're just like, nope. I, yeah. No, nothing. I think there's not much of an attempt to make a relationship between her and Solo, which is fine. Yeah. Um, And there is the one with, with Kuryakin, which, you know, it it... 
it's one of those things where mathematically it works out as a proof, but you don't really feel it very much. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then of course we're supposed to do a Butch and Sundance with with uh, Kuryakin and Solo, and mostly the closest I can get is a grudging respect. That's about it, which is still pretty tepid, especially in Cavill's side. Yeah, they try to have some nice moments, like when Solo gets Kuryakin's father's watch back. Mm-hmm. And But even then that happens, it's like, oh, that was nice. Yeah. And it, that's supposed to be a big payoff moment. And I didn't think it worked. No. One of the things I remember when I saw this in the in the theater is that I really liked was that they kept the movie in the 60s. And I thought that worked really well because yeah. I got to say with today's technology, it's really hard to get away with anything because yeah. you know, cell phones and GPS and actual spy satellites, it's like you really can't get anywhere or do anything and get away with anything. Whereas the tech in this film with one exception, seems to be oh. very based in the 60s. Now, Max, I know what I you're talking groan. about. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. Yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. You were talking about the friggin' laser cutter. That's one of them. The other was the computer disc. Oh, that that was not a disc. <laughs> they that said was disc. A tape. They but said it's a disc. Tape. They did say disc. And it was a tape. They said backup. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't back up. <laughs> Yeah, it was a tape inside this weird little case. Yeah. I was, yeah, because I was, I couldn't, I didn't remember about a computer disc, and I'm saying, did a computer what now? <laughs> yeah, no, it was a tape. I'm all right. It's all right. In the '60s, they did yeah. have computer stuff on magnetic tape. Yep. But the thing that gets me is Kuryakin has in his pocket a CO2 laser that can cut through a chain link fence, and I'm. No, I no. didn't accept when Bond had a laser beam in his watch that could melt steel. No, unless no. that thing had a cable running to a truck that was carrying an enormous reactor. No. Yeah. I did, however, appreciate, like, there's a, quote, tracker, end quote, that Gabby has to wear. And it's the size of, like, a cassette tape, and it's strapped it's to her big. leg. And it's yeah. like, that's that made sense. But that was miniaturized back then. Um, and all the little tracking devices that Solo finds on him are all, you know, the size of a drinking straw with a big button on the end. And it was like... Yeah, or like a Christmas tree light. They're, you know, it's, nowadays they're the size of a pencil dot. Yeah. But it's also things like, you know, you don't have a phone with you. So if you're out yeah. in the middle of nowhere and there's no phone, you can't contact anybody. And I appreciate huh? those things from the old spy movies because it made things a lot harder. It was a lot more of a challenge. And I actually really liked the fact that they kept this in the 60s. They didn't try to update that part of it. No, it wouldn't have worked. It is a little funny that no one, everyone seems very 60s except for the way that they treat Gabby. Mm-hmm. No one's like, oh, we can't put a woman in danger or what, she's just a woman. Because, you know, sexism, you know, as it still is, was rampant. And they did, and especially in that kind of, in that genre. Mm. Women were usually either targets or trophies or impediments or something to be rescued. Right. And here she's just sort of one of them, and no one says anything about it. You mean like and, Dr. Christmas Jones? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like Doc, except not, no, not as nearly as ridiculous as Dr. <laughs> Christmas Jones. See, our previous series on James Bond. <laughs> yeah. No, the, but again... It's a it, that's a nice fantasy element to it. It's like oh good we don't have to we don't have to have any cringe scenes 
of well, she's just a woman. Yeah. So, not maybe not as most realistic, but welcome. Yeah. Uh, we should get to our little talking points before we yeah. get to the end yeah. here, if uh, you don't mind, uh, Max. Oh, yeah. Does this movie capture the feeling of its source material? Kinda. I mean, there's still the whole the stress the stresses on exotic locations, even if these guys actually go to them. <laughs> Uh, I'm not an exotic location, but I play one on TV. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it's the. I think so. It's the whole. Cult. They they capture the period very nicely. The cars and the clothes and the idea of this is the, this is the height of the Cold War. Uh, I I think so. I, I again the the dynamic. They change the dynamic between Solo and Kuryakin, but again, like you say, this is an origin story. Right. But yeah, I think so. You what do you do you think so? I think that it's one of those things where you can't rewrite innocence, right? And the TV shows of the 60s, admittedly mostly because of things like censors, had much more of an innocence about them because you couldn't portray stuff like that. Um, and you could portray the women in the bikini. Okay, fine, whatever. But you mm. probably really couldn't portray daddy issues and you couldn't portray um, anger management problems. Yeah, the heroes had to be, you know, paragons of virtue. Right, for the most part. Um, oh no, he had two drinks tonight. He's not entirely good. Uh, yeah, that's about yeah, as close it's as not you like, got. Yeah, the, the hero isn't supposed to be a reformed criminal. No. So he isn't I, even that reformed, apparently. Well, and of course there was another show of the 60s that did the same sort of thing, and it was called It Takes a Thief, and that was where they literally took this thief, Alexander Mundy, really cool name, and they were like, look, we can prosecute you, or you can work for us and go steal things yeah. like, you know, uh, secret papers and stuff like that. Um, so I think it does. I think that it's okay. The big problem of course, is that it has so much more of a budget than its source material ever mm. had that it's like comparing a Lamborghini to a cardboard box shaped like yeah. a Lamborghini. <laughs> <laughs> so. Ah, <a> Kia. <laughs> okay. Uh, does this movie respect its source material? I think so. I mean, it tries. As you say, it can't capture exactly the same spirit because it's not the 1960s. Right. And we're trying to recreate it. But I think it really try. I think it does respect it. I think it did something that was potentially very tricky, but also potentially intelligent. And that is it decided to do this origin story but it didn't try to rewrite the characters in such a way that the TV show was then nullified. So it, yeah, it expanded emotionally on things that they wouldn't have dealt with in the TV show. But at the end of it, there's no reason that in general, you couldn't go from this movie to yeah. the TV show. It doesn't invalidate it. Yeah. No, no. So I think that they did, which is interesting because again, I even not only growing up, but eighties, nineties, I don't remember the man from uncle being on ever. And I don't think anyone had mentioned the show except for, you know, you know, the local car show or whatever uh, <laughs> for decades. Like no one's talked about this. I think it was, you know, maybe, maybe they bought it on the cheap. It's like, what else is from the sixties? No, no Huckleberry <laughs> Hound. No, uh, Yogi Bear. No. Oh, Hey, the man from uncle. Huckleberry Hound, the movie. Yeah. So well, didn't they do one? Maybe they, uh, I don't know those. I don't, oh, don't want to know. Yeah, I don't want to know. So, yeah, I think there actually was respect. And, you know, you could even say that they could easily have not. They could have just said, yeah. it's called the man they, from uncle, but the hell with it. 
something different or made or made fun of it on a spoof. And, and considering Sherlock Holmes, like if we had to answer that same question, does Sherlock Holmes, the the Guy Ritchie film, do so they respect their their uh, source material? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, last yeah. is. And I think we know the answer to this. Yeah. Pretty obvious. Does this movie take advantage of the fact that it's a movie and not just an episode? Oh, big time. Big yeah. time. This is so much larger scale and, yeah. as you say, actual money on the screen. Yeah. yeah. No question. And for those of you who haven't been to Italy, um, when I went, I, when I got to, we started off in Rome, I thought it's in a European city. It's been around forever. Of course, it's build up and there's skyscrapers because that's what happens. Yeah, the Colosseum's still there, but it's nestled into these. No. No, there are huge parts of Italy that have not changed in hundreds of years, and they look fantastic. So I totally get why they picked Rome. And I'm sure that if, in you know, back in the 60s, they could have afforded to go to Rome at all, they would have done that. Instead, they just said, hey, Luigi, send us some 16 millimeter footage. <laughs> and he did. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, I've got through most of my notes. Uh, how about you? I got one. This is just a public service announcement. If you are in a vehicle that goes into the water, don't roll the windows up, which is what Solo does when he's in a truck and it goes off a pier. You want the windows down so the water will fill the cab, so you, the pressure will be equalized so you can open the doors. Because if you go in the water, you may not be able to unroll the windows afterwards. The pressure on the, on the, the windows, on the glass, will be too great. Well, don't be like Napoleon, kids. I might disagree with you. And the reason I oh? might disagree is because the Mythbusters, when they did it, what um, Adam Savage did was he said, what you need to do, you have to do because of the pressure of the water. You can't open the door. If there's wa air in the car, you can't open the door. The pressure on the door right. is too great. Right. But with the door open or door closed and the windows up, it gives you time to get breaths of air. Whereas if the windows mm -hmm. down you may not have a chance to actually get a clean breath of air. And he says, what you need to do is keep yourself calm, take the last breath you can, and when the water's up to the level, you can then easily open the door and make your way out. Eh, all right, but I still think he shouldn't have rolled the windows up. Well, my question, He was perfectly calm. My question was, why did the bad guy not take the super mega buggy and took the crappy Jeep instead? He only had the keys for that. Ah, but uh, yeah. Kuryakin... Shut up. Oh. Oh, nothing, nothing. <laughs> All right, well, now we oh, get to... I, sorry, oh, one last thing. One last. I now did, we don't I get did. to... <laughs> nope, sorry. I really did like Hugh Grant in this as Mr. Waverly, and he's way more interesting than Leo G. Carroll was. Yeah, well, he was over a barrel. Well, when yes, Tarantula took to the hills. Only when Tarantula took to the hills, oh, yeah. lick those lips. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yes. The I agree. I don't know anything about Leo G. Carroll, um, and he was you know, the head of Smirsh or whatever he was doing. Um, and Hugh Grant is so, he's almost a magnified Hugh Grant. Oh, yeah, no, didn't tell you. Sorry. He's <laughs> like apologetic, but still, he was fun. I think he, he was a lot of fun in this. I, yeah. yeah, He's there anyway, for five that, minutes, that, literally yep, five minutes. At least, yeah, if that, yep. But now, 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 now the Spanish, no, no. Now, the, <laughs> oh, God, no. the roundup. Roundup. Don't look into the Spanus, Marion. <laughs> so, Max. Yeah. Did you see this when it came out? I did. I saw it in the theaters. Do you remember seeing it when it came out? I know that I had seen it. <laughs> that is pretty much And I remember that there were two very tall men in it. Max, I would like you to diagram that sentence, please. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> I will not, and you can't make me. In fact, uh, I don't think I can make me. So you're saying that um, you don't remember your initial reaction or having I, seen it. I remember thinking it was, oh, that was fun, and then forgetting it by the from the time I got from my seat to the door. Okay. Yeah. Had you seen it since then? No, not okay. at all. Now you have, and you've watched some episodes of the TV show. <laughs> uh -oh. I mean, yes, I have, yes. Who are you? So, Max, what do you think of the movie version of The Man from U.N.C.L.E.? I, it's harmless. I mean, I think it's kind of fun. There are some good moments. Again, I like Alicia Vikander. I like Hugh Grant. I think Henry Cavill does okay. Uh, it looks nice. It is kind of hard to follow. And I think it's very forgettable. I can see why they didn't do a sequel. Well, part of the fact it didn't make much money. <laughs> Would you use the word competent? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was. I think it was competent. I think it was a workmanlike job. Would you say it was in focus? <laughs> I, it was almost entirely in focus the whole time. Did you notice the appearance of the Bruno Kirby Memorial fat suit? <laughs> I was watching for it. I, I believe there's a guy in the background at the piazza. I think he's wearing it. I can't swear to it. And it's not on IMDb, damn it. I think we need to get its own Hollywood star on the Walk of Fame. <laughs> well, at least we've got to get it an IMDb page. <laughs> Hell, there's a cat that has an IMDb page. Why should the Memorial... Hmm? Go ahead, I'm sorry. Why shouldn't the Bruno Kirby Memorial fat suit have its own page? <laughs> if it wasn't for the fact that it's like $30,000, I would love to have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame that just uh. said Bruno Kirby Memorial <laughs> fat suit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, me. I want, yeah, you. What do you think? Did you see it when it came out in the theater? I did. And I remember one of the things that I liked, and I had not seen the show then, and I remember one of the things I liked about it was like, I like that it's in the 60s. It's fun. It adds to the atmosphere. It helps a lot with the technology, which is, you know, crazy nowadays. And it's like, used to be in the old Bond films, it's like, well, that'll never happen now. It's like, yeah, I've got one of those. Um, <laughs> I'll just go down to Micro Center and build one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember thinking, this was fun. I enjoyed this. And then like you... I knew that it had happened, yeah. and I knew that there were people in it. Mm, couldn't tell you the uh, the plot. I want to say that one of the things that I would do, with the exception of Gabby, who, to be fair, initially looks like she's going to be a lot of fun, and then doesn't really get much to do. Yeah. And Hugh Grant, I'd probably recast the entire film. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen Army Hammer... <sighs> do better. Henry Cavill, you know, I'm not sold on him yet. I've only seen him do this in Superman, and both well, parts wait, are... Wait, wait, what about the... Isn't he the Witcher? Oh, that's right. I actually <laughs> don't mind him as the Witcher, although that wig drives me crazy, because I just sit there staring at his hairline. <laughs> They're not explaining the wig! <laughs> um, the Witcher! I, I, you know, even there... I don't know that he's I'm mostly sold. big and impassive. It's true. Yeah. He'd play. Yeah. But. I mean, he's built nice. I'll give him that. He's very large, <laughs> which is useful for Superman and The Witcher. <laughs> uh, but I, I just honestly don't think what they, what Guy Ritchie was going for here, that buddy film, that chemistry, ends up really working. And the whole film kind of depends on it. I don't yeah. think the writing's bad. Again, it could have been a little clearer. 
Um, but I just the two main characters don't really do anything for me. And yeah, I think that I think you're right. I think that's the essence of it. There was the setting was fine, the directing is decent, even the the script could be tightened up a little. But I yeah, I think the leads, those two in particular, would have should have been somebody else. And I think they should have made the bad guys more interesting. Yeah. I mean the wife is supposed to be, you know, Cruella DeVille. Yeah. And the husband is like, Hello, I'm here also. And she doesn't really do anything. She's like, I'm evil, you know, it says so in my script. And then yeah. she's like, Oh yes, electrocute him. No, Mr. Bond, I yeah. expect you to well, you know. And then she wanders I'm off. Going sh- I'm going to go shoot daddy for some reason. Yeah, but she doesn't really do much of any like she's no. going to do something and we stop her in time, but it's more helpful if a bad of a villain, I was gonna say bad guy, but a villain actually does something villainous that we see. Yeah. <laughs> you won't believe yeah. what I did off screen. Woo! <laughs> but, but yeah, otherwise, yeah. It's yeah. it was entertaining. It, I, it's I would say this movie was on if you were flipping through channels and you came across this movie and you started watching it when the commercial came up and you went to go get something to drink, you might not come back. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh but we have a trivia question, not a trivia question, we, we have a poll question for people to answer for next week. And that question is, how much does music matter in the movies you watch? And by music, we mean the the score, the uh, John Williams, you know, force theme, that sort of thing. And how much does it dictate your emotional reaction? Let us know, would you? You can do that through our website, which is maxmikemovies.com, where we have all of our episodes. We have lots of places you can leave comments, which we will get back to you about. You'll get double bumpy bucks, just saying. Um, And uh, you could also email us directly, because, of course, if we have a website, we have an email address, and that is us at maxmikemovies.com. Social media, we got you covered as long as it's Facebook or Twitter. And last but not least, if you listen to podcasts, which you are, you probably (laughs) found us on one of the many, many podcast apps of your choice, because every day we are apparently added to one, whether we like it or not. But we are continuing with I'm Made from TV Love You, Max, by watching what next week? Well, next week we're going to stick with the action genre. Ah. And this, with a a classic example of neo-feminist art, which which showed us that women could be tough, yet sensitive, especially when wearing tight or revealing clothing. Where do you watch George of the Jungle? (laughs) Ah, but this (laughs) is with women, and not Ah. just one woman, with several women's, who make up a group of women, which one might call... Nope, I can't get there from here. Anyway, we're going to watch Char- the movie Charlie's Angels. Wait, which one? And, uh, we are going to watch the good one. We're going to watch the one with Lucy Liu and Cameron Diaz and Drew Barrymore, and not the one with Kristen Stewart and two other people. <laughs> Wasn't one of them her father, Patrick Stewart? Patrick Stewart's <laughs> in the movie, but honestly, I do not remember who played the other two. We'll, we'll talk about the 2019 version a little, a very little. So tune in next week because Charlie says so. Charlie says, love my good and plenty. Charlie says, really rings the bell. Charlie says, now we're going to stop. <laughs> this has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. 